The Boston Bruins got reinforcements by bringing back some big players. The Vancouver Canucks are optimistic as they face their first full season under Bruce Boudreau and the LA Kings look to build on last year's surprising success. We've got that and a lot more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Bruins, Ian McLaren. Ian, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Gil. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, very interesting offseason for the Bruins, making uh, a few moves, some of them um, more expected than others. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, what do you think was the best move that this team made during the offseason? Oh, I mean, it's it's interesting because the moves, the biggest moves that they, the Bruins made were decisions that they were waiting on. It, it, they weren't kind of moves that Don Sweeney went out and proactively did as general manager. Uh, but it was, you know, Patrice Bergeron deciding that uh, he still has some gas left in the tank and wants to play. Uh, after winning his record-breaking fifth Selkie Trophy. And it was David Krejci deciding that, uh, you know, he wanted to come back and resume his NHL career after spending a season uh, back home in Czechia. Uh, So those were two huge decisions that were uh, pending and that definitely affect the outlook for the Boston Bruins this season. In terms of moves that... uh, the Bruins actually made probably the biggest would be um, trading Eric Howla, who played second line center for the majority of the back half of last season to the New Jersey Devils uh, for Pavel Zaka. Uh, they got younger in that deal. Uh, if you ask former New Jersey Devils assistant coach Mark Recchi, who is also a former Bruin, he would say the Bruins uh, added talent in that deal. Uh, definitely more upside when it comes to Pavel Zaka. Uh, so all three of those guys entering or coming back into the mix, uh, that's probably the the totality of, of the best moves made by the Bruins this offseason. And as far as Krejci's return, what does it mean both for him as a player and for locker room chemistry and, and, and the sort of attitude this team takes on? Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, for the locker room, it's obviously huge. He was a, a very liked uh, player when it comes to uh, Boston Bruins. He's been there for quite a while. I know a lot of guys were disappointed when he uh, made the decision. Not disappointed in him, but just disappointed that he wasn't going to be there when he made the decision to go home. Um, the chemistry certainly still there with a guy like David Posternock. The two paired up at the world championship, uh, earned a bronze medal for Czechia and, uh, were, uh, electric together. And, uh, it looks like they will start the season on the same line. 
the Bruins have five Czech players in the lineup now. Uh, that's not lost on Krejci, on Pasternak. And uh, I think that him coming back will give the Bruins a, a real boost on and off the ice. You know, like I said, Eric Howla filled in pretty well in the second-line center role, but nobody expected him to, to be a second-line center for the Bruins last season. And having uh, Krejci back in the mix, um, you know, he showed at the World Championship that he still has a high-level game, and uh, he should be hitting the ground running with David Pasternak on his right and uh, Taylor Hall on his left, who he played with before uh, he decided to go home. So, yeah, it should be a, a real boost there for the Bruins' offense for sure. We are now just about three weeks away from the start of training camp. What is your biggest concern when you look over this roster right now? I mean, right now it's definitely uh, definitely health to start the season. Uh, the Bruins will be without uh, two of their best players in Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand for up to a couple months, maybe early December. They both had a pretty major surgery in the offseason. Marchand on his hips, uh, McAvoy on his shoulder. Uh, Matt Grizzlick will also start the season sideline due to injury, due to surgery. Uh, so that would be, you know, significant holes that the Bruins have to uh, to fill. And really, you, you can't replace a McAvoy. Um, you can't replace a Marsh. And singularly, it's going to be a team effort uh, to really... Uh, make up for those absences. So that's going to be a big test for them. Uh, and it will be up to new head coach Jim Montgomery to kind of find the right pieces, push the right buttons, and, and uh, get the team to, to kind of buy in all hands on deck uh, for them to withstand uh, those injuries early on and, and kind of stay afloat in the, in the playoff race. How excited are you about the new head coach and what does he bring to the table? I'm, I am very excited. I, I mean, I, I wasn't one who endorsed the move to replace Bruce Cassidy. I think he, by all rights, should still be the head coach of the Boston Bruins. Uh, but if they were going to bring in anybody, uh, I was happy with the decision to hire Jim Montgomery. You know, he, he did a fantastic job with the Dallas Stars before his uh, personal issues caused them to, to part ways. Uh, seems like everything is on track there. Uh, he's uh, a guy who's well-liked by the players. Um, even guys who played for the St. Louis Blues last season where he was an assistant uh, were really sad to see him go and, and said that the guys in the room are going to really love him. And, uh, you know, I, I think they'll be an even more up-tempo team. Um, Bruce Cassidy really preached team defense. I think that will still be a staple for the Boston Bruins. Uh, but I like to see a bit more of a, a north-south game. The Bruins really pushing the puck up and creating uh, even more offense, especially five-on-five, five, which was definitely one of their weaknesses under head coach Bruce Cassidy. So I expect that to be much improved under uh, under Jim Montgomery and the power play as well. And as far as the goaltending goes, do you have an idea who will be the number one or will it be more of a 1A, 1B kind of a situation? Yeah, I expect it'll be similar to last season where it will be a, a 1A, 1B, but where those two rankings are kind of interchangeable. We saw both Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman take the mantle of 1A at certain points 
uh, last season. There was some confusion there, you know, when Tuka Rask came back, attempted his comeback. Swayman sent down to the AHL just because he was kind of waiver exempt. Um, but I do think that I guess they'll kind of both get a fresh start under Bruce Cassidy. We saw in the playoffs, Lena Salmark was the starter to begin the playoffs. Swayman was the guy uh, to close the playoffs. And I think ultimately, you know, Allmark is signed for a few more years and these guys will uh, be a tandem for a couple more years yet. Uh, but I think eventually it will level off where Swayman will be kind of installed as, as the 1A for the Boston Bruins this season. Ian, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Sure, yeah. Uh, the podcast is Locked On Boston Bruins. You can find it in your podcast feeds and on YouTube. And people can find me at Ian C. McLaren. All right. Ian, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. Thanks a lot, Gil. Take care. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that could happen? You can end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Get high, get a DUI. We are going to talk some Vancouver Canucks right now, a busy offseason in the Pacific Northwest of Canada. And we bring in Justin Pooney of Locked On Canucks. Justin, thanks so much for stopping by. My pleasure. I'm happy to finally be on uh, the, the big show, Locked On NHL. So I'm finally, I'm excited to be joining you and talking about the Canucks. Yeah, great to have you here. And, you know, let, let's start with the what probably is the, the biggest question that fans around North America are asking. JT Miller sort of unsettled now. It's been that way for a little while. What is the latest and what do you expect to see uh, the Canucks do with JT Miller? Well, at this particular time, we're about a month or so away from – you know, in the middle of preseason and training camp and just a few weeks away from that, about six weeks away from the start of the NHL season, uh, it looks like JT Miller is going to be back in Vancouver come the beginning of training camp. Uh, I don't know if a new deal is underway. You know, Miller has been open, Miller's camp and the team have both been open this offseason saying that a contract is a long ways away. We know that there was a potential deal or something along the lines of the draft that might have fallen through. Uh, with the Islanders, um, and you know, after kind of you saw all the free agency moves now have happened, there's not really a market again with the salary cap the way it is. The cap has been flat the last couple of years, and teams can't acquire JT Miller and then re sign him because of the cap situation. So, I think the Canucks are wanting to get a supreme package for him, which they should. The man had 99 points last year, he's been the best player in a Canucks uniform the last three years. I don't think anybody can dispute that. Um, but he wants to get paid. And I think with the, the salary cap situation, the Canucks want to get their best value for him. Um, we're at kind of the standstill point. Do I think something can potentially pick up uh, closer to the camp and there's a little bit of a pressure there? Uh, I do. I think the Canucks might offer, you know, might offer another uh, contract extension proposal, or you never know, injuries tr tr do take place during training camp in the preseason or early on. So teams could get desperate then. So 
as of right now, I think everybody in Canucks Nation is kind of like, well, it is what it is now. It looks like he's going to come back. Where if you asked us all Canucks fans or people around the team, uh, they thought he would have been gone at the draft or before um, free agency, and he's, he's still here. So uh, I've always been a proponent of keep JT Miller. I think he checks all the boxes. He's a, like an engine. You know, you kind of get on my back, boys, and I can carry you type of thing. Uh, so I believe JT Miller should stick around. But, again, we're in a salary cap sport where it has to make sense money-wise and fit-wise as well. The Canucks made some interesting additions this offseason. Which ones are you most excited about, and do you think will have the biggest impact on this team? Well, I think the biggest surprise one was the Ilya Mikheyev signing. Um, I don't think – I think going into free agency, nobody expected the Canucks to be uh, – make a splash like that. Now, Mikheyev wasn't a – like a Naz, Nazem Kadri style splash or a Johnny Hockey style splash, but you know a four-year term at a, just under four, under five million was kind of a surprise, right? Now I think McKay coming from Toronto, which was an offensive you know powerhouse in the league, playing under the guys like Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, like that, um, he's going to fill a role in Vancouver that he can play very effectively. Um, he's a speed burner. He's got elite level speed on, um, in the NHL, and the Canucks aren't a very fast team. So um, he'll help out on the penalty kill with that speed. He'll create his own chances. And this is a guy who scored 20-plus goals last year, which will only help enhance uh, the Canucks roster, which now I think, you know, we always talk about having a great top nine. The Canucks have a deep top 10 right now. They have at least, I'd say, 10 solid, legitimate top nine NHL forwards on their roster. So the wingers are set. I like the centers with JT Miller sticking around to, you know, platooning with uh, Pedersen on the top line. Um, and I think McKay will fill a great role. Now, with that being said, there's also the unknown of Andre Kuzmenko, the prize Russian free agent signing, who I think, from all indications, is another you know sandpaper guy, but can score, has some skill. Um, and I see him alongside Ian McKay potentially playing on the same the same line uh, with Bo Horvat. And I think that's kind of where I project um, McKay and um, Kuzmenko to you know fit on the roster i'm excited and i think it'll help a uh, sophomore russian Vasily pod coles and having you know two other guys that are from his country and they can you know you know it's very hard especially for young players to you know come over from north america from russia to north america learn the game the culture so to have those other you know people they can lean on i think it's a great thing that the canucks have going i think will just help um those three players particularly uh, definitely, I agree. And and that line you mentioned sounds like one that a lot of teams would not want to play against mm-hmm. uh, on any given game. What are your biggest concerns at this point in the offseason? I, I, I mean, training camps, what, about three, four weeks away? Mm-hmm. What's the biggest concern on this roster? The biggest concern is has to be defense, particularly the right, the right side of the defense core. Look, we know Quinn Hughes um, is a elite level uh, defenseman, a young defenseman. Does he have to work on the defensive side of his game? Absolutely. But, you know, you see the skill, you see the flashes in his game where you're like, wow, this guy can skate, he can handle the puck, uh, he can quarterback a power play. Um, he has all the skill sets to be a great defenseman. Um, Oliver ekman Larson, of course, came in last year, was a big acquisition uh, on a big ticket, but he played well on a shutdown role with Tyler Myers. Uh, those two get a lot, a lot of um, – beat down from fans because they make so much money and they don't produce to that level. But I think if you take away how much money they make, I mean, you just look at how they played. They played very effective last year um, and a shutdown role. But um, with that being said, you know, there's a whole issue with Tucker Pullman who was brought in last year. Um, 
is he going to be healthy? Is he going to have to start the season on LTIR? Uh, I've been a big proponent of the Canucks going after a guy like P.K. Subban, who, of course, has a very high pedigree in the NHL, has you know won a Norris Trophy, you know, gone to a Stanley Cup final. He's been in New Jersey the last couple of years, which has not been uh, the best franchise, per se. Um, but I think if you can get, bring him in on a PTO or a one-year deal for you know a cheap a cheap dollar cap amount, you're going to get a highly motivated player. Um, I think you see all the videos he posts on social media. You know he works out. You know he keeps his body in good shape. Um, maybe he just needs a new change of scenery. And I think if a guy like that can come in and kind of you know play an effective role, because if you're going to bring PK Subban in, you're not expecting him to be PK Subban from four or five years ago. You're expecting him to be. Um, you know, a guy that can fill in some power play time, move the puck up the ice, be a solid, you know, middle defenseman. And I think if the Canucks can do something like that, uh, it looks even better going forward. But for sure, the right side of the defense uh, is the biggest worry. What kind of an impact do you think that Boudreaux will have over a full season as opposed to a partial season? I think Bruce Boudreaux just more time to install his own system and his own game plan with the team. You know, I'm sure over this offseason – He's been in constant communication with his big guys, whether that's the Bessers, the Pedersons, the Hughes, the Horvats, even the JT Millers, right? Letting them know how he wants to, you know, start this season off. Because if you look at it, when the Canucks started last year under Travis Green, they were had a worst power play in the league. And it, essentially, they, well, they came out flat and the team quit on Travis Green. For It is what it is. But under Bruce Brujo, there was something that clicked. And that team was on a 100-point pace. Now, could they... Is it just as simple as them picking up where they left off? Maybe. But I think having Bruce Boudreaux for an entire offseason, an entire training camp, having that stability, knowing, hey, he's going to be our coach, this is going to be our you know, our coaching staff, will only help this roster, help this team, and, and play on the same page. And I think for years under the previous regime, you know, the Canucks were never on the same page with ownership to management down. Um, and I think now with guys like Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, you know, kind of as the spine of the organization, um, there's structure now involved. And I think that's key just from the top on down for this team to have success. Justin, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Absolutely. You can find us at Locked on Canucks. You search that up on YouTube and also on any streaming platform. We are free and of course, available wherever you get your podcast services. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Canucks. You can also follow me on Twitter at underscore process sports. And yeah, catch us on it every day. We'll have some fun. I can't wait for the season to start. Uh, every you know, daily recaps of games, nightly recaps of games, game previews, rumors, all that fun stuff in Canucks land. All right, Justin, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Great to have you. My pleasure. And welcome back to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show the host of Locked On LA Kings, Eddie Garcia. And Eddie, been a, a, an eventful offseason. They started it with a splash. Kevin Fiala joining the Kings Talk to me a little bit about what kind of an impact you expect from him and where do you think he'll fit into the lineup? Well, uh, the, the Kings went out and addressed their biggest need uh, right off the bat, and that was a top-line winger to go along with Andre Kobotar and Adrian Kempe, who had a breakout year last year. Uh, and so that was, that, was every, that was the biggest thing on everyone's wish list as Kings fans, and, and the organization obviously was 
uh, understood that as well, that uh, this is a team that uh, is very solid defensively, but does have a deficiency in scoring um, and needed to, needed to get more scoring, obviously, from their front line. Um, you know, their second line last year, second in name, was probably their best line uh, with Philip Deneau, uh, Trevor Moore and Victor Arvidsson, who was a bit in and out of the lineup with injury, but but Philip Deneau was amazing, uh, and that that line really uh, in some key moments that that was the line that went over the boards. But Kopitar, Kempe, uh, and at the time Alex Iafala were right there. It was kind of a one A one B situation, but you know with with all due respect to Alex Iafala, he's just not a top line player, um, and and he's really suited for a second or even a third line role, which is probably where he's going to play it this year, but. Uh, going out and getting Kevin Fiala, a guy who had a career year last year with over 80 points and 33 goals, and it's exactly what the Kings are looking for. More punch up front, and also a guy who can help out on the power play as well. They were 27th in the power play last year. That's not going to get it done. We saw in that first-round series against Edmonton what a really good power play can do and how that can propel you uh, into the playoffs past the first round. So that was something they needed to address, and they really did that. They addressed the power play. They addressed the, the top line, getting more scoring with getting Kevin Fiala. Yeah, so big check mark right there off of, of that box. You know, the, the Kings surprised a lot of people making the playoffs last year. Everyone thought maybe that was a year ahead of schedule. How do they build on that success? And and what did they take away from the success they had last year? Yeah, I, I did not think the Kings were going to be a playoff team last year. I had them battling for a playoff spot late in the year, and I thought that would be progress. So in my mind, they were ahead of the curve. Um, I think they are sing, singing a different tune. They believe they're on track, that they're not ahead of the curve. But I think how they build on it, I, I got to give a lot of credit to their head coach, Todd McClellan, who literally in the post-game press conference after losing game seven was already setting the tone for this year. Uh, he wanted his players to know immediately after that 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 wasn't good enough and that they need to be better next year and all the good things that came from last season – uh, Philip Deneau having a career year, Trevor Moore having a career year, Adrian Kempe having a career year. All those things are great, but if you don't build on it for the next season and and carry it forward, then it doesn't really mean anything. And he, like I said, he didn't waste any time in, in, in setting that tone. He wanted to make sure that nobody felt like this was some sort of accomplishment, even though, yeah, a lot of people think that they were ahead of the curve, that they they were in that series against Edmonton to win it. And remember, they had a, they had the lead. And going into game six uh, on home ice and they, they couldn't get it done. So uh, in his mind, uh, this is a team that's on track. And like I said, he set the tone immediately after that game. Some people were kind of like, wow, this, this guy is like not enjoying the moment, but I mean, that's really where you should be, right? If you expect this team to be better and growing and going forward, you're not just satisfied with making the playoffs there. You're not just satisfied with pushing up maybe a better team to seven games. And so I think that's where they build upon it. I think a lot of guys, going into this offseason, have the attitude of, okay, that was a taste. Now it's time to take the next step. And I know a guy like Drew Doughty who was injured and couldn't play in the playoffs, yeah. he wanted the season to start about a month after the playoffs ended. I mean, he's <laughs> ready to go. He's as excited as uh, I've seen him at any point in his career. And he's, he's ready to get on the ice and be one of the leaders of this team going forward. Let's talk a little bit about Quentin Byfield. Expectations very high. Second overall pick in the 2020 draft. Had some injury issues, missed the first half of the season. What do you see for him in the upcoming year? Well, hopefully, as you mentioned, it starts being healthy. Have a, have a solid training camp, have a solid preseason, 
and then be slotted in as that third line center behind uh, Andre Kopitar and Philip Deneau and take a step forward. Um, you know, I think a lot of Kings fans are very um, worried, I guess, maybe the word about his development. Look, he's still 19. Uh, this is a guy who last year could have wor- very well still played junior hockey. So I think those um, those worries are a little bit premature. But if we see if we don't see a little bit more from him this year, I can understand where it's coming from because of where he was selected in the draft. And because you see a guy, a, a guy like Tim Stutzla, uh, you know, having putting putting up numbers uh, for the Ottawa Senators, different positions, different situations, but still. Um, it's hard not to compare and see a guy who's a little bit more productive at, at the same, you know, was picked right around the same spot. So, um, but I, I think, I think he's ready for it. Um, they had a development camp here recently and he, he was the best player on the ice and you could say, well, he should be, but still, I mean, he, he looked like a guy that was out there, uh, with a lot of confidence, um, being, being the top player out there. And, and like I said, I think, uh, stay healthy, full training camp. He'll hit the ground running. I think to start the season. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of the flash and the playmaking ability that we saw him play at the junior level when obviously there were all the accolades and him being the second overall pick. So I, I still think it's way premature for a lot of the fans that are almost, they have their hand over the panic button, not pushing it yet, but it's hovering over it. I'm like, okay, not just yet, but I, I understand where they're coming from. When you pick a player that high, you expect him to be more of an impact player. But I think this is the year we're all expecting to see more, a little, a, a, big, a pretty good step forward for him this year. Eddie, training camp is less than a month away now. What would you say is the biggest concern the LA Kings have heading into this season? I think it's goaltending. Um, we know who the goalies are, but we're not sure who's the number one goalie. Is it Jonathan Quick, who's going into the final year of his 10-year contract? Could this be his final season, not only as a King, but in the NHL? Will he do a Dustin Brown and, you know, what Dustin uh, decided late in the year, this was the last year of his contract, obviously a part of two Stanley Cup winners and had a great career here, but he didn't want to he didn't want to hang on or maybe go to another team. He wanted to end his career as a king. I don't know what Jonathan Quick is thinking, um, but we're all very anxious to see. And then he had a bit of a resurgence last year from his last two seasons um, and he won the number one job. It was a it was a one a one B for a lot of the season with Cal Peterson. Um, and, and at the end of the year, it was clearly quick was clearly the better goaltender and Cal Peterson's, uh, his contract kicks in this year of a three-year extension he signed last year and they're paying, I believe it's $10.8 million in their goaltenders. That's if, if Carey price doesn't play, which he's not going to, that's the highest price tandem in the NHL. And when you think of the highest price tandem in the NHL, you're probably not thinking LA Kings. I mean, these are two. B-level goalies, right? Uh, they're not A's and they're not C's. They're kind of B's, both of them. So I, I think the Kings were expecting Cal Peterson to take a step forward last year and, and win the job, and it didn't happen. Is this the year he does it? I don't know. It's a it's a real question mark going into this season. I think that whoever wins the job is good enough to get him in the playoffs, but are they good enough to get him deep in the playoffs? I'm not sure. So it's it really is a, a concern Who's going to win the job and how well are they going to play this year? Lots to think about, lots to keep an eye on. Eddie, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Uh, well, it's uh, Locked on LA Kings. Uh, I know I talked to you about it, having a good time with the YouTube channel and getting that thing going. Uh, we are at Locked on LA Kings on Twitter. Me personally, I'm at Eddie on Fox, E-D-D-I-E on Fox and uh, I've been on the Fox sports radio network for uh, 20 plus years. 
Uh, so I have a good time doing some overnight sports talk as well, but hockey is, uh, obviously my passion, uh, and really excited to, this is my, going to be my first season with the LA with locked on Kings. Uh, I, I joined during the off season. Uh, and so I'm really excited about this season, not only because of the expect, expectations for the team, but of just me having hosting this show for the first time. So really excited about it. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're excited to have you and uh, good luck this season to you and the Kings. Eddie Garcia, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guest, Ian McLaren of Locked On Bruins, Justin Pooney of Locked On Canucks, and Eddie Garcia of Locked On LA Kings. We will be back tomorrow and every day this week with more of the top stories from around the National Hockey League. I'm Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of the show, also co-host the Friday edition with Rachel Donner. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.